Welcome to Grace and Glory Audio featuring Pastor P.G. Matthew, Bible teacher and pastor of Grace Valley Christian Center located in Davis, California. Today, Pastor Matthew continues in the Bible series on the book of Isaiah with this last message in the series entitled, The End, Two People, Two Destinies. If you have your Bible with you, please turn to Isaiah chapter 66. Now, here's our teacher, Pastor P.G. Matthew. Heavenly Father, we just learned from your word that we are a people close to your heart. You look upon us with favor. We are your treasure. We are your portion. For us, you sacrificed your own son. Christ died for our sins. As people close to your heart, we are loved by you, comforted by you, guided by you, protected by you. Therefore, O God, we have no fear, no anxiety. We come before you with a sincere heart to hear your word. We are your people who tremble at your word. We are eager to hear your word and do your word. Therefore, O God, speak to your word to us. In Jesus' name, amen. We are speaking to you from Isaiah 66. It speaks about the end. Two people and two destinies. It speaks to us about ultimate reality. The end of Isaiah's long prophecy has come. And it speaks about the end of those who rebel against the covenant Lord. Chapter 66 and chapter 1 are in balance. Isaiah opened with the rebellion of his people. And Isaiah ends with the destruction of those who rebelled against him. So let us turn to Isaiah chapter 1. And listen to the cry of God. Because his people rebelled against him. Isaiah chapter 1 verse 2. Hear, O heavens, listen, O earth, for the Lord has spoken. I reared children and brought them up, but they have rebelled against me. The ox knows his master, the donkey his owner's manger. But Israel does not know, my people do not understand. Ah, sinful nation, a people loaded with guilt, a brood of evildoers, children given to corruption. They have forsaken the Lord. They have spurned the Holy One of Israel and turned their backs on him. And the last verse of Isaiah chapter 66, and they will go out, that is true people of God, and look upon the dead bodies of those who rebelled against me. Their worm will not die, nor will their fire be quenched, and they will be loathsome to all mankind. Isaiah is especially speaking about the eternal judgment of disobedient Israelites who refuse to be regulated by God's word. So it is important that we understand that judgment begins in the house of God. So do not think, as I preach, it is for the pagans outside of the church, because in context, Isaiah is speaking about the judgment of those who call themselves people of God and yet rebelled against his holy word. There is soon coming an end to our life here. And then everyone will either enter into eternal life or eternal death, depending upon 
one's relationship or lack thereof to the Lord Jesus Christ. Two groups and two different eternal destinies. So the question is, where do you spend your eternity? See, time is nothing compared to eternity. 70 years you live, or by reason of strength, 80 years. But compared to eternity, it is nothing. There is an eternity waiting for you. Where do you spend your eternity? Which group do you belong this morning? May God help you all to belong to the company of those who are described in chapter 65, God's servants. Those who tremble at his word, as we read in Isaiah 66, verse 2 and verse 5. Three things I want to speak to you. First, the blessed people. Second, the cursed people. Third, their end. Blessing or cursing. Who are the blessed people of God? And we are told here in Isaiah 66, verse 2, this is the one I esteem. I look upon with favor. God looks upon us as his own treasure. God loves them as his own bride. See, people were impressed by their building temple to God. And they thought God will be impressed by their construction. But here we are told that God is immense. Solomon understood that in 1 Kings 8 and verse 27. Creation cannot contain God. God is greater than space. He is beyond it. He fills creation, but he is beyond creation. This is speaking about the immensity of God. I hope you will purchase books by Dr. Frame about the doctrine of God and the knowledge of God. And you read it, then you will understand the God who revealed himself in the scriptures. You will understand who this God is and his person, his attribute, his infinity, immensity, his holiness. And then you begin to tremble at this God. Nobody is going to tremble until you see him. Isaiah saw him in his glory and in his holiness. And he condemned himself, woe unto me. I am finished. I deserve instant destruction of God's wrath. So God is not impressed with our services, our buildings. But he promised to dwell in the temple, and he did. But his desire always was to dwell in the hearts of human beings. So turn with me to Isaiah 57, verse 15. It says, For this is what the high and lofty one says. He who lives forever, whose name is holy. Now what is he saying? I live in a high and holy place. That speaks about his otherness, his transcendence. But notice, but also with him I dwell, who is contrite and lowly in spirit, to revive the spirit of the lowly and to revive the heart of the contrite. In 1 Corinthians 3 verse 16, St. Paul tells us, Don't you know that you yourselves are God's temple? And that God's spirit lives in you. Let me tell you this morning, God is an enemy of the arrogant. God dwells with the brokenhearted to grant him eternal life. In Isaiah 66 verse 2, 
the word contrite in spirit. The word contrite means one who is crippled in spirit. This is speaking about the one who acknowledges his sin and cries out to God to have mercy on him. He is poor in spirit. He mourns before God. He hungers and thirsts after righteousness. And he is like Jacob, who was made lame by the angel who wrestled with him. Now Jacob is crippled. He is lame and he therefore leans on to God. He prays to God in tears. And God blesses him and calls him Israel. Broken hearted, contrite in spirit. Such a person is the publican who cries out to God, have mercy upon me a sinner. And he is justified. He saved. And David understood long ago the sacrifices God accepts are a broken and contrite heart. And that's what it is, verse 2. This is the one I esteem, one who trembles at my word. Do you tremble at God's word? Are you anxious to hear and do God's will? Is obedience to God's word is your chief? interest and delight and joy and pleasure. Turn with me to 1 Samuel 15, 22 and 23. But Samuel said, Does the Lord delight in burnt offerings and sacrifices as much as in obeying the voice of the Lord? To obey is better than sacrifice and to heed is better than the fat of rams. For rebellion is like the sin of divination and arrogance is like the evil of idolatry. Because you have rejected the word of the Lord, he has rejected you as king. Are you like Josiah? Remember the king Josiah? The word was read to him and he tore his clothes. He humbled himself. He trembled. At the word of God. He knew the wrath of God was about to descend on Israel. Or are you like his son Jehoiakim. To whom also the word was read. But he took the word and threw it in the fire. Let me tell you who you are depends upon. What your attitude to the word of God is. Are you humble? Do you tremble? Are you contrite in heart? Are you broken in spirit? Do you repent regularly of your sins? Salvation is for such people only. They are the blessed people. Turn to Isaiah chapter 1. And let me read to you what it says in verse 27. Zion will be redeemed with justice. Her Penitent ones with righteousness. Penitent ones. Turn to Isaiah 55. And pay attention to this. Teenagers and, and everyone else. Be impressed. By the living, holy, transcendent God. Be impressed by his glory and majesty. And we read in Isaiah 55, beginning with verse 6, Seek the Lord while he may be found, call on him while he is near. But listen, how we must come to him. Here it is, let the wicked forsake his way. No more dealings with evil, with rebellion, 
Let the wicked forsake his way and the evil man his thoughts. Let him turn to the Lord and he will have mercy on him. And to our God he will freely pardon. For my thoughts are not your thoughts, neither are your ways my ways. Or turn to Isaiah 59 and verse 20. Here we read, the Redeemer will come to Zion. To those who repent of their sins, declares the Lord. The blessed people are those who tremble at his word. Those who are humble, those who are broken hearted, those who are eager to repent, those who are eager to believe. Those who are penitent. Those who repent. Now we ask the question, who are these blessed people who tremble at God's word? Why do they repent? Why do they believe? Why do they eagerly obey God? And we are told why. In verse 7 through verse 14, I don't have time to go into it in detail. But the heart of it is, it is because God has done some supernatural work in your life because they are the children of Zion we are told mother Zion gave birth to them without pain mother Zion gave birth to them suddenly and supernaturally let's look at mother Zion in verse chapter 54 sing O barren woman you who never bore a child burst into song shout for joy you who were never in labor because more are the children of the desolate woman than of her who has a husband says the Lord enlarge the place of your tent stretch your tent curtains wide do not hold back lengthen your cords strengthen your stakes for you will spread out in the right and to the left your descendants will dispossess nation and settle in their desolate cities Zion was barren like Sarah but she has now given birth to a nation of people who love God. Notice verse 8. Can a country be born in a day or a nation be brought forth in a moment? Humanly impossible, but it has happened. God did it. He brought forth a nation of God's people. Through Zion standing for the church. But by God's supernatural activity. And we are told, you read it, she delivers a son, she delivers a nation, she delivers a multitude of children. In other words, we are here told that God brings about the birth of a multitude of people through Zion, the church of God. God will have a people who belongs to him, who worships him, who trembles at his word, who obeys him, who will repent, who will believe. Creation, fall, and redemption. This is eternal counsel of God to have a people for himself. And he will have them. If you are a rebel, there will be others who will love God. And if you are a rebel, I pleaded with you all my life to you. And this morning, you learn to tremble and believe and trust and humble yourself and be broken hearted. That God may look upon you with favor. To this one I esteem. 
God's promises will be fulfilled. God chose some people and they'll be saved. And they are the blessed people. And they will worship God. St. Paul tells us in 2 Corinthians chapter 1 verse 20, no matter, no matter how many promises God has made, they are yes in Christ. If you want to remain stubborn, it's up to you. If you want to remain a rebel, it's up to you. But God will have a people to worship him forever and ever. And to dwell with him forever and ever. God will have a people who will dwell with him. And it is my prayer that you'll be his people. Born of the spirit. Born to the church and through the church. Because Isaiah spoke about the revelation of God's arm. That is God's power. The Lord's arm has been revealed in Jesus Christ the Messiah. We are told sin has been defeated in Isaiah 53. And we are told that death is vanquished. Vanquished forever by the death and resurrection of the suffering servant. And the people instantly are born into the kingdom of God. Through Zion. Through the ministry of the church. So take a look at verse 10. Three different Hebrew words are used to express the intense joy of a child of God. Be joyful, rejoice, be exceedingly glad. God's people are told. And verse 14, when you see this, your heart will rejoice and you will flourish like grass. The hand of the Lord will be made known to his servants. Are you his servants or are you his enemies? That's a two group of people you find in this book. I pray that we are those people who are born into the kingdom of God. I pray that we are those people who rejoice with high intensity. I pray that we are the lame, like the lame man healed by Peter in the name of Jesus of Nazareth. Look at him. He follows Peter to the temple, walking and leaping and praising God. God has done a miraculous thing for us. We are healed, we are justified, we are forgiven. We are adopted into God's family, we are heirs of God. And we now commune with the God. All our needs are met by God. In his son we are sons of God. And our citizenship is in heavenly sign. So he tells us be joyful. Rejoice. Be exceedingly glad. The crushed bones of ours now flourish like grass. Look at verse 14. The joy is the flag flown high in the castle of my heart. For the king is in residence there. And St. Paul tells us in Romans 14 and 17, kingdom of God is righteousness, peace and joy in the Holy Spirit. Those who are born of God through the church enter into the kingdom of God, which is also the kingdom of life everlasting. Hallelujah. 
What a joy this is. St. Paul tells us we rejoice in tribulations also. And he's speaking about his own experience in, in Philippian jail. He was stripped. He was flogged severely and thrust into the innermost prison, put his feet on stocks. And we are told at midnight he rose to pray and sing hymns. This is no theory. If you are born of God, you will rejoice. You'll be glad. You'll be exceedingly glad. And you will rejoice even in your tribulations. Because that is the kingdom of God all about. Look at verse 11. Take a look. And we drink deeply from the breasts of Zion, which is now heavy with milk. Look at verse 11. For you will nurse. Verse 12, the last part. You will nurse and carried on her arm and dandled on her knees. Loved and caressed and fed and provided for and protected. My God through the church. There we receive total comforts for our every need. There we hear God's word, his everlasting promises. There we enjoy sacraments. There we enjoy fellowship with God and with his people. There we pray and God hears our prayers. There we receive grace abundant and love amazing. Look at verse 13. There is a change. That the text is wrong there. Chapter 13, it should read, and you will be comforted, not over, but in Jerusalem. That's the Hebrew preposition, but in Jerusalem. That is in the church. In the church. You'll be comforted. Let's turn to Isaiah chapter 12. This comfort was promised long ago. Isaiah chapter 12. In that day you will say, I will praise you, O Lord. Although you were angry with me, your anger has turned away. Isn't that wonderful? (laughs) Hallelujah. Anger has turned away in Jesus Christ. And you have comforted me. Surely God is my salvation. I will trust and not be afraid. The Lord, the Lord is my strength and my song. He has become my salvation. Turn to chapter 40. It says, comfort, comfort my people, says the Lord. Yes, it is God's purpose to comfort his people. Isaiah chapter 61. The spirit of the sovereign Lord is on me. This is Jesus Christ speaking. Because the Lord has anointed me to preach good news to the poor. He has sent me to bind up the brokenhearted. To proclaim freedom for the captives. That's comfort. On the basis of his own work. In our behalf, his own suffering. Let's turn to 2 Corinthians now. St. Paul tells us this great truth about comfort. 2 Corinthians 1. And beginning it with verse 3. Praise be to the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. The Father of... It should be... Mercies. Plural. And the God of all comfort. Who comforts us in all our troubles. So that we can comfort those in any trouble. With the comfort we ourselves have received from God. And 2 Corinthians 9 verse 8. Look at the abundance of the milk coming to us from the breast of Zion. Drink deeply. 
Second Corinthians 9 verse 8, and God is able to make all grace abound to you, so that in all things at all times, having all that you need, you will abound in every good work. Comforts, grace abundant, love amazing. Hallelujah. Now look at verse 12 of Isaiah 66. For this is what the Lord says, I will, I will extend peace to her like a river. It was promised early on, 48 and verse 18, he promised it. Now it is right here. In Zion, God extends to us peace like a river. Abundant peace. Hallelujah. For we are reconciled to God in Jesus Christ, so we have peace with God, having been justified by faith. So peace of God rules our hearts and minds in the midst of great spiritual storms. We find out who we really are. When an earthquake comes, we'll find out whether we are founded in God, rooted in God. And if we are, we stand firm. The people of Zion, we are told, is an international body of believers. Consisting of Jews and Gentiles. This is revealed to us in verse 19 through 21. This is speaking about world mission. The blessed people are not just Israel, but all the peoples of the world are blessed. And I stand here as proof of God sending missionaries throughout the world. The people of Zion are an international body of believers consisting of Jews and Gentiles. So Isaiah speaks of world mission in verses 19 through 21. We don't have time to deal with it in detail. The saved Jews will be sent throughout the world to proclaim the fame and glory of God to those who are ignorant of him. And many would be converted. And they will be brought to Zion to worship the true and living God. And they are the true Israel of God. And so true brothers in Christ, on equal footing with Jewish believers. A revelation given especially to St. Paul. And this will be the Abraham, fulfillment of the Abrahamic promise. In you all the families of the earth be blessed. God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son. That whosoever believes on him should not perish but have everlasting life. And look at yourselves, you are an international body. No ethnic distinction, geographic distinction, national distinction, gender distinction. No male, no female. No master, no slave. Hallelujah. International body, the church. Salvation is of Abraham. Salvation is of the Jews. And salvation, now narrowed down, salvation is of Jesus. Salvation is found in no one else. There is no other name under heaven given to men that we must be saved. And Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. Jesus understood this passage and saw he speaks about world mission. He told the Jewish believers... Go into all the world and preach the gospel to every creature. Baptizing them in the name of the Father, Son, and of the Holy Spirit. And teaching them to obey whatsoever things I have commanded you. That's based on this text, 19 through 21. Jesus said, 
ye shall receive power after the Holy Ghost is come upon you and ye shall be my witnesses in Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria and the uttermost part of the earth is based on this text let's turn to the book of Matthew and see what he says about gospel preaching and the coming of the Lord Matthew 24 and verse 14 and this gospel of the kingdom will be preached in the whole world as a testimony to all nations and then the end will come the end is coming but the gospel must be preached to all the nations and Saint Paul understood his mission and his calling to preach the gospel to the Gentiles and look, turn to Romans 15 and let me read to you verse 15 and 16 he understood he was one sent by God to preach the gospel to the Gentiles Romans 15 and 15 and 16 I have written you quite boldly on some points as if to remind you of, on, of them again because of the grace God gave me to be a minister of Christ Jesus to the Gentiles with the priestly duty of proclaiming the gospel of God so that the Gentiles might become an offering acceptable to God sanctified by the Holy Spirit you see see we bring money to the Lord you know that's fine I have to live <laughs> but what did he bring he brings he bring the converts as an offering to God the Gentile converts and may God help you to bring a convert yes as an offering to God more than money so take a look at Isaiah 66 and, and verse 20 and they will bring all your brothers this is offering and they will bring all your brothers brothers here Gentile brothers from all the nations to my holy mountain in Jerusalem as an offering to the Lord But here it says to my holy mountain to worship God to behold the glory of God but don't mistake holy mountain with Jerusalem. I don't have any problem God coming to the holy mountain in Jerusalem. I would like him to come and rule from Jerusalem for a thousand years. I'm, I'm interested in that. <laughs> that every knee may bow and every tongue may confess. That everyone may fear and revere him. And I believe in it. But here it is not just speaking about the physical, but a spiritual Jerusalem. Let's Saint Paul understood this. Galatians, let's turn to Galatians chapter four. And verse twenty-five and twenty-six. Now Hagar stands for Mount Sinai in Arabia that corresponds to the present city of Jerusalem because she is in slavery with her children. But the Jerusalem that is what? Above is free and she is right here, our mother. And this comes straight from Isaiah 66. She is our mother. Jerusalem that is above. Let's turn to Hebrews chapter 12. And we preached from that several times. Hebrews 12 beginning with verse 22 but you have come to Mount Zion but it is not literal physical to the heavenly Jerusalem the city of the living God and every believer no matter what part of the world that person is if two or three are gathered together in my name they have come to Mount Zion 
to the heavenly Jerusalem, to the city of the living God, to worship God in spirit and in truth. Or turn to the book of Revelation, in chapter 21, and verse 2. I saw the holy city, the new Jerusalem, coming down out of heaven. So there is a new Jerusalem in heaven. Let me tell you, even now God's people of all parts of the earth have come to this city of the living God to worship God. Let me tell you, the purpose of mission, proximate purpose is conversion of the Gentiles, but the ultimate purpose is to that they may see the glory of God. The glory of God. God wants to be seen and known and understood in all his transcendence and in all his immanence, in all his attributes. That all people may hear his fame and see his glory even as Isaiah saw his glory in the temple. And be impressed by his glory. That he may tremble at his word and do what he says. That's the purpose. The purpose of preaching the gospel is not to make us rich, famous, healthy, powerful. It is to cause us to see God's glory and be fascinated with God's glory. Moses therefore prayed, Lord, show me thy glory. Let me tell you, we are blessed people. We have begun to see his glory in God's word and God's work in our hearts. And we will see the fullness of his glory by and by. Hallelujah. <laughs> see, the time has gone. You know, just, I just touched one point, that's all. Which is okay, I'll, I will speak this evening. The rest of it. The cursed people. And their end. Shall we rise? Now, if you are the blessed people. If you have been born again. If you have repented and put your faith in Jesus Christ alone. If you tremble at his word, <laughs> if your true delight is found not in things around us, but in God, the creator and redeemer of the world. And it is my prayer that every single person who hears my voice is blessed. Heavenly Father, we pray that you help us to tremble at your word. And be blessed by you, in Jesus' name, amen. You have been listening to Grace and Glory Audio with this sermon entitled, The End, Two People, Two Destinies. Come back soon for more transforming Bible teaching from Pastor P.G. Matthew.